0: I like how you're wearing your shirt. It's like the band on stage. It's like. This if, is what it's this like. This is if, what it felt like wearing today.
1: It's I had like, to wear my own
0: shirt. It's like if Kiss was wearing Kiss shirts <laughs> while they were playing their concert.
1: Could you imagine that over Gene Simmons' full like body armor
0: that he has? He's just wearing a Kiss shirt. He's like, hey, have you checked out uh, Kiss Has Coffins? <laughs> and. His voice is so slow and like deep. That was deep. perfect. He's like, and you, and you know, if you're gonna be buried in something, <laughs> might as well be kiss. <clears throat>
1: back to another episode of This is My Bourbon Podcast. I'm your host, Perry, and this week we've got somebody who is a first-time guest, but long-time friend of the podcast. It's John Edwards from Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Hi, Hi John. John. Hi, Pear
0: Bear. It's Hi. Gene Simmons here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow,
0: well, no, Gene Simmons Perry. is on the show now. Perry, I'm very, very, very excited. I think you and I go way, way back. I remember oh, yeah. the the this is my bourbon podcast from the beginning, and have been a fan of you and everything all Aww. along. It's it's been amazing Aww. to see the stuff that you did in the beginning, from the supposed giggle fest to the amazing guests that you have on now. I mean your your interviews with Dixon Deadman, Marianne Barnes, all the events you get to do. I love watching you just kind of mature in this whole podcasting thing. And I'm honored to call you a friend and a brother. So thank you very, very much for having me on your show. We're 20 it, seconds in and you're going to make me cry. So. Oh, well, <laughs> it's just you being your friend just fills me up with so much joy that sometimes <sighs> I have tears of joy. And after a long, long day with a, three-year-old toddler yes. that has been bossing me around, to see <laughs> your smiling face <laughs> is just such a joy. Aww. And I got to say, it's, it's great to spend some time with you, Drake. Yeah, I mean, you knew, you knew I had a tough day when I said, I mean, number one, we couldn't agree on something to drink. And number right. two... I brought, like, five things and said, okay, pick one. And one of them is almost 150 proof. So, you yeah. know I had... And I said, by the way, I'm not having a Glencairn. I brought a mason jar. <laughs> mason jar. To which drink is everything just, out of.
1: It's just perfect. It's just perfect. It's so one of those I, weekends. Sorry. I want, I want to say something, too, that, like, we, we have... It's interesting, because I didn't know this about you until, like, we started you know, talking and becoming friends and everything. And you are drinking right out of that Mason jar and that's just the best. Heck yeah. Um, but <laughs> the, you, you have Lexington connections too. Oh
0: you yeah. To very UK. much so. Yeah. UK grad. I was general manager at WRFL, the campus station there. I did ESPN radio and the horse racing radio network and super talk 96 one. I was the ops manager of ESPN and Super Talk, did a morning news show, produced the afternoon sports show, the pre and post game for Kentucky football and basketball. I hosted that, did stuff on the Horse Race and Radio Network, uh, both on air and producing and affiliate relations and all sorts of stuff like that. So I um, spent a lot of the best years of my life in Lexington, Kentucky, loved it there, bleed blue very, very, very much. And uh, I orange. have... I have my my UK license plate down here in Tennessee. Do you so really, I I have Tennessee. Thankfully, they have a license plate, and you can get the UK logo on it. So, oh, nice! That is not good. the new one that sucks. I hate <laughs> how they changed the UK to make it, and it, it, it it's the way the UK is. It's like the block lettering, like the University of Houston. I oh, wish yeah, they would yeah. go back to the old UK. Like I know it's a graphic design thing, and Perry, this is up your alley, but I hate yeah, here the we new go. UK logo.
1: <laughs> You're gonna I tell go me on a reason it why a, it's good, but no, I mean I could go on about it for a long time. But you know, when it when it was first introduced, there was this notion that UK was starting to become more of a sports centered school than it was, you know, like academic based, which is. You know understandable sure academics is what it's all supposed to be built on but if you're really trying to establish your brand as you know a university that is prominent in the sports field I think that you know branding yourself that way the way that they did with this logo was kind of an important step forward with it um, I didn't so much like but it the didn't change
0: it. that much from the old
1: UK what's the like, change it looks. It. I think it looks more ugly. Per, <laughs> okay, it's, there we go. It's
0: square. <laughs> the other one was rounded. I think it looks more athletic. No, it's round. It looks, rounded looks more athletic. <sighs> this looks like it's like boxy and rigid. So, what looks better? <laughs> what do you put on your you know, the the tires of your car? Are they round or are they square? Oh, see,
1: this is I. You're comparing apples to oranges here.
0: I'm just saying, round is going to be aerodynamic. Square can't move. <laughs> I will
1: say though, I did not like the redesign of the Wildcat. Um, for Scratch
0: many, or the the one that looks like he's out of the 1950s. The
1: the the actual like logo of the Wildcat. Oh yeah. You like that's? It's not good, man. Not good. <laughs> it's hard to read. And then there's the whole look. If you haven't seen this before, when when the when the logo first came out, um, there was a little bit of controversy over what it looked like if you flipped it upside down. So I'm gonna say nothing else other than that. So go and do your own research and it's, tell me that it doesn't look like that. So we normally start out the show with flying blind, but because we are in different states, we can't really do that. So instead, um, what did you uh,
0: pour for your first drink there, John? It's gone. Already? <laughs> I guess okay, what I should pour it? <laughs> some more. It was WB Saffle.
1: Well, I'm about to finish mine too, so you don't have to pour anymore.
0: Oh, i move I'm, on to the second thing. I'll put a put a little more saffle in here for you. Okay, that's fine.
1: That's fine. I poured a, a, a JW Dant
0: uh bottled and bond. I'm which a big we could have coordinated on, but we could have, we could have, and we talked about this, but I'm a big fan of this saffle. I truly believe – I mean, it's 107 proof. It is a blend. But I truly believe that they could have taken this – Now, I know everybody's super excited for Cornerstone Rye to be the master's keep this year. But I think they could have taken this saffle, made it a 750, and they could have made it the master's keep, and everybody would have been happy.
1: Even if it hadn't been the master's keep, I think that it could have had a place – Within the actual Wild Turkey line, yeah, and I, I don't know what that end product would have looked like. I'm not a, a product developer by any means, but you know, I, I think that there. This is kind of it, it. I don't think it's necessarily a missed opportunity, but I think it's an indication to Wild Turkey that they could go somewhere else with a product like this, knowing that they can, you know, produce something of this quality. Not saying that 101 is bad. Not saying that. Um, uh, 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 American spirit or rare breed are, are bad, but there's just something really special about the Saffold that could be more prominent. And whether or not it's in that form of Masters Keep, um, I think that it just needs to be. It needs to be out there in the public. I think a little bit more, but with Wild Turkey branding
0: as a part of it. This is still my favorite release so far this year. There period. Has not, period. End of story. Wow. Saffle has been
1: my favorite. I don't know. I don't know if I've taken the time to really like full on think about it. Um, I've had some. I've had some great pours. I've had some amazing pours that I have you know lauded. But and you know like small batch select from Four Roses has been one of them.
0: Oh, um, I like I like small batch select very much. Yeah, but I like Sappho more. And I, and I'm a big Four Roses guy. Love for Roses. I just think Saffle is very, very special.
1: I I will have to revisit it with that mindset of, you know, how special is it actually? And I I have a feeling I'll probably wind up agreeing with you, honestly.
0: (laughs) There's just, I mean, if you think about the other stuff that's been out so far and I put it up against it, it's like, Select is great. And yes, Mm -hmm. I know Saffle's a little more expensive and... You know, it's kind of looking like a hundred bucks for a full bottle, <laughs> but I think Saffle at a hundred and seven proof is everything I wish the two first Masters Keeps were. Last year's Masters Keep I think was a lot better with that Oloroso finish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, man. Saffle's really, really good.
1: I don't get me wrong. I mean, I've I've I finished a bottle and I'm kind of craving buying another one. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff that's still coming out the rest of the year that I I'm
0: Oh hoping I'm just to saying as of bit. this point, right? As of this point. <laughs> we never know what's gonna happen the rest of this year. What's the date today? The fourteenth of July? As of the fourteenth yes. of July, it was WB Saffle for me.
1: Yeah. I, I, could, I could get on board with that, but I also, I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to, I don't know, there's something about the, uh, the Four Roses Small Batch Select that I'm just, I'm just in love with, man. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but like New Riff Rye, though, New Riff Rye has been one of the best things I've had this year. So I I moved on to my next pour which was an uh an American Spirit Wild Turkey pick from a uh, good old good old liquor barn. Uh this mm. is Mr. Mr. Bruce's neighborhood. So <laughs> This is when you rub it in that
0: you can go to like liquor barn and party source and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm not trying to
1: rub it in. I'm just just happy that I have this. Yes. Maybe I'll rub it in a little bit, but not enough for you to, you know, not want to talk to me anymore
0: no it's okay (laughs) because then we would rub it in that we can go to barrels and brews and elixir and that's okay that's all those other places i mean (sighs) i think it's um i think kentucky tennessee definitely has the picks on lockdown in nashville nashville is a very pick heavy city where i think lexington and louisville still have those I mean, the closest Total Wine we have is in Murfreesboro, so you got to go, you know, about an hour outside of Nashville to actually get to either way, right? Because Liquor Barn is in Bowling Green, which is an hour north, and then Total Wine's an hour south in Murfreesboro. It's like, all right, you want to go to one of those big volume stores like that, you really got to go away.
1: Right, right, yeah. Which, so, as as we move into what is now, I guess, our second pour, I got to ask you, John, because you are in the middle, too, of moving, and your stuff's all over the place, what have you been drinking
0: recently? Anything I have open. <laughs> anything so, within arm's reach. I will tell you, I am moving. My, my family, we are building a house, and this is what happens when you... <laughs> when you realize uh, when that day happens for you, Perry, I don't want to be too presumptuous, but if that day happens in your life, and you know you're young, thank you, you can wait a few more years. Um, you're gonna have a little person that is gonna have a lot of stuff, and you're not gonna <laughs> realize how much stuff this little person has until you realize how much stuff you yourself have, and. I didn't know this, and and I feel really bad, but I had over 300 unopened bottles of whiskey. Unopened. Unopened. And I had about over 200 open bottles of whiskey. And the only reason I didn't open the others is, you know, like, you're in groups, you're in other stuff, you might buy two of a pick... And then you just kind of put it in the back burner and you're like, okay, you know, that's a backup of the one I have. And then, you know, this whole thing has made me think I have way too much. I'm never going to drink all of this. I'm just going to have a party when my house is done. I'm going to have all my friends over. I'm going to say, open whatever you want. And let's just drink through some of my stuff because I, I'm realizing that there's just I'm never gonna be able to drink it even in my lifetime, period. Yeah. Like yeah. I but so what I did is what I what I said when I moved in is all of my unopens were gonna stay in a storage unit. All of my opens because I don't. It's a lot easier to move the unopens that are in boxes. I don't even have to worry about them. And then the opens, it's like okay, let's drink those down with yeah. the occasional here or there that I sprinkle in. So. I brought a Four Roses pick from 404 Kitchen here. I brought the Saffle. I brought Old Bard Sound Bottled and Bond. And then I got this light whiskey that I got from Elixir Spirits. It is a Backbone bourbon light whiskey that's 147.3 proof. That's insane. <laughs> so I figured that would just be fun. Uh, towards the end, maybe I'll have that one. But I will go to Old Bard Sound Bottled and Bond second. I really love this. This is my one of my favorite things to come out of Willet. To be I, honest yeah, with you, so I, I've had kind of a hard
1: time recently staying on board what I would call
0: the 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 main Willet train. Oh, I never got. I realized I missed it. Like the train left the station, and if you wanted <laughs> to get on Willet, when it was reasonable. I mean, I was into bourbon, but I wasn't on the Willet train, and now right. things are being priced to kind of combat secondary, and and everything is a lot right. higher. And I think I would much rather have. I mean, it's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like Willet when I like other people's Willet more than mine. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's exactly, kinda how I yeah. feel about it. It's like I really enjoy it when I have it, but I really enjoy it when other people pour it for me. I yeah, I mean like
1: you know that it's one of our our go-tos, but like I would rather have on just about any given day a Russell's pick over a Willet product.
0: But they're three and four year rye for fifty bucks. Now that's good. It's really good. Yeah. This old Bard Sound Bottled and Bond at twenty two bucks. Yes, it's a Kentucky only release, but the you know, this old Bard Sound Bottled and Bond, as far as bourbon goes for them, it's you know, it's a four-year hundred proof product. You know, all the standard things with bottle and bond, but I really enjoy it. Whenever I go to Kentucky, I always get a bottle of that and dance. And JTS Brown, you know, it's like, what are the things that you can kind of not get down here, but you can get yeah. up there easy and cheap.
1: I'm going to have to revisit the old Bardstown bottle and Bond then. I don't know exactly where it is in this room, but I'll find it. <laughs> I feel like I'm giving you lots of like homework. Do we have really do are. a follow-up show? We might have to. We'll do a little bonus uh, Patreon episode or something.
0: That Somewhere works. down the line, <laughs> we'll record it down here in a few weeks
1: when you record one with me. Oh yes, that's uh, Yeah, I would thought that might happen. If
0: that's, I hope enough. so.
1: I would love for that to
0: happen. I would really yeah. love for that to happen.
1: Because I was kind of uh, so what we're what we're alluding to is that we're gonna uh, uh, Southern Whiskey Society in Franklin Tennessee is gonna be coming up here in about uh, as you're listening to this about two and a half weeks. And I, I'm going to get to go down and not just see uh, uh, John, but the guys from the podcast and some of you listeners out there as well. So um, I think there might be a few tickets still left for it, but uh, I don't know. I'll put a link in the in the description of this episode uh, for you to find out
0: one way or another. Perry, I'm very, very excited for you to come down here in a couple of weeks. And I hope, I don't know what days you're going to be here, but I am like a mile away from the factory in Franklin. Oh, perfect. And so you can, where where we've moved this apartment complex that we've moved to, it's about a mile away, while we're waiting for our house to be built. And I will tell you, all sorts of people from Greg Snyder, from Chicken Cock, who worked at every single place, from Brown Foreman to uh, Wild Turkey. Uh, he came by here. Um, Sean Josephs from Pinhook has been by here. Yeah. Uh, Dan Gardner from four roses has been by here. So you have all sorts of people that you are in good company that now come to this meeting room that overlooks the pool <laughs> at my apartment <laughs> complex. Perfect. And, uh, it's a great room. We can watch TV while we're, while we're recording. It's, it's good time. So please come visit. We would love to
1: Oh, we you. will definitely, we'll definitely make that happen. For sure, but I guess like what what I this this past week has less been what I've been drinking and actually been more of what I've been eating. Um, Oh, you have been eating a lot of
0: burgers. I had eight burgers for Lexington Burger Week. Your face is showing it, dude. You need to hop on a treadmill. uh Yeah, can
1: you can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) But like, I I went I went to the gym yesterday and I could feel my arteries clogged and I could feel that I wasn't able to breathe as well. And I was like, man, I'm glad that this is not a week by week thing. I was happy that burger week was over.
0: And it's when you have to try like a chicken burger, a black bean burger, you have to like, you can't just just go meat. Like you can't go red meat the whole week.
1: But I love red meat. I love ground beef burgers. I mean, it's just, look, man, here's, here's my rationale. This happens once a year, and, I mean, I probably have, what, like, maybe a burger a month, you What know? places do you, did you go for burgers? I week? went to, uh, so I went to seven different places. Um, there was one place that I visited twice, so that would be the eighth one. But I went to uh, Locals, uh, which they have a little, uh, what they call one-hander. Um, yeah. uh, I went to Smithtown, which is connected to West Sixth. Stella's uh, over on Jefferson. I went to... Um, love Stella's uh, and love oh, Griff. S- Stella's is one of my favorite places in Lexington. I went to Athenian Grill, had their lamb burger, was pretty good. Uh, OBC, I went to, they had a Kobe beef burger with a, a, a gorgonzola truffle on it, which was absolutely fantastic. A&W actually had one too, which was really good. Uh, it was pimento cheese with a fried green tomato on it.
0: It's so yeah. bad because when I say that, it's so gonna date me. But like, <laughs> DeShay's has a great burger in Victorian Square. And, John, um, John, yeah, I hate to break this to you. Is Duchesne gone? DeShay's has been gone for a while now. It's, I haven't been up in a. I. <laughs> if I go up, I go to Keeneland. But
1: just just to wrap up, I guess what I've been eating, uh, Burger Week in Lexington 2019 was really fantastic, and I'm really excited for Burger Week 2020. And actually, Pizza Week 2019 is coming up in November, too. So that concludes what we've been drinking or what we've been eating uh, for this week on the show. John, I thought we'd talk about something uh, that pertains to the both of us, Sure, and uh you know we we both do a bourbon podcast, we do something that is increasingly becoming, I would say kind of popular in the podcast world, but you know you you and I have talked a lot about how we kind of have fairly similar approaches to the way that we do our podcasts, but at the same time it's not it's not necessarily the exact same format but we've kind of you know not not just bonded over you know the the over the bourbon or over you know just our our mutual love of this medium and everything but just that you know we're we're in a, spe- a what I think is a very specific niche in terms of whiskey or bourbon podcasting and i figured you know we'd talk about how we kind of got to this point because I I've had conversations recently with a a, numerous people who have asked me, how did I get into this? And I think that's kind of an interesting conversation to step back and talk about how we got to this point. And you've, you've touched on it a little bit, just kind of in terms of your cred, uh, and, and your experience with, an audio medium whether it be radio or podcasting or uh or whatever but you know what where how'd you get here
0: i guess i get no i mean that's interesting i guess for me it all started when we did have my daughter and i wasn't able to kind of go out the way that we used to and and the way that dad's drinking bourbon started it was originally actually a blog and anybody who has listened to our show, I couldn't get Zeke to actually write, and that's <laughs> no uh, surprise to anybody who has actually listened to our show. Uh, no, no, no surprise. So I couldn't get Zeke to write reviews, and it was it all started because I had a suburban dad Instagram page, and that started from my my daughter actually had really bad colic, and uh, she was colicky and she would spit up all the time. So I had to keep her up. So when I was putting her to bed, I would kind of prop her up in my arm. And what I would do is I would take a picture of bourbon before I went to go put her to bed. I'd edit it. I'd put it up. I'd write something up about it. And then that was kind of taken off. And then I told Zeke like, Hey, we should do something with this. And then that's where dad's drinking bourbon was born. He wasn't writing anything about the blog. So then it turned into like, okay, well, let's get out one night a week because he has a young kid. I have a young kid. And then we started doing the Instagram videos and and people eventually went to us and said, and I will tell you, this is the number one sale for podcasting over videos. is people would complain to us all the time when we did video, like I can't multitask, I can't do other things. While I'm listening to you, if I'm not watching your video, I can't text. I can't do other stuff. So when are you going to go to a podcast? Please go to a podcast. And eventually we went to a podcast. It was just my background that I would say, it has to sound good, number one. And I'm not going to do this unless it sounds good. And he, you know, Zeke at one point was like, well, why can't we just put one microphone in the middle of the table and sit around it? And I go, because that sounds like crap. And if if your stuff sounds like crap, people aren't even going to listen to what you have to say. The number one thing is it needs to sound halfway decent. You have to have some good audio in there for people then to kind of take a step back and go, oh... I wonder what else this guy has to say. At least it's clean and at least it's not fuzzy and different levels and people saying all kind of different stuff. But yeah. anyway, that's that's how it started. So then we turned into a podcast. I don't know if I've ever actually
1: talked about this on the show before, but I Tell me
0: something you've never told anybody before, Perry. <laughs>
1: So I, I went to, I, I've gone to two different colleges, um, I guess, in my college career. I went to Transylvania University in Lexington for three years. And while I was there, I think for about a year and a half, I had, and I'd always kind of had a, a, an interest in it. I wouldn't say passion for it, but just kind of, you know, wanting to dip my toe into it, I would say, uh, radio. And while I was at Transy, I had a a radio show where I would just basically develop playlists every week, Um, but it was called B-Sides, and it was artists that were familiar to people or maybe artists that they didn't know, and I would play what would essentially be deep cuts from them. so just, just for an example, you know, say you only knew John Mayer because of Your Body is a Wonderland. Well, you know, I know John Mayer's music well enough to be able to play something from, you know, his second or third album that you may not have heard on mainstream radio. So There that was, was kind no of, way
0: John Mayer was getting played on WRFL.
1: Oh no, no. Oh no no that, no 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 no
0: no. When I when I was back there, you
1: No. No 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 you but were,
0: I, I, but, That was transy Radio for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um but I mean I know I know you are a very, very talented and you wouldn't say this about yourself. Um you know, singer-songwriter and, and musician and all sorts of stuff, but, like, I would have to play a deep cut from, like, Chick 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 or, like, here's <laughs> here's the Modest Mouse deep cut. You guys may know Float On, but here's, like, uh, Miss the Boat that you probably never would have heard. That's the stuff that I used to have to play on college Well, sure, radio. yeah,
1: but my my point is that it was, you know, popular artists with, you know, a spin of you may not have... You know, heard this by them
0: before. Kanye has some good ones like that too, man. He does, yeah, for yeah. sure. Sorry, um, I interrupted no, you.
1: No it's, all, no, it's all good. I don't mind. Um, but it, I always had this kind of interest of getting in front of the microphone. You know, like John just said, yes, I am a singer-songwriter as well. So, you know, I do find interest in, <clears throat> to to some degree... Making public <laughs> my thoughts, <laughs> and there's there's a really funny little uh, comic strip that I've seen recently, and it's three dudes sitting around a table, and they go, "Wait a minute, we're three guys with average experience and moderate intelligence. Oh my gosh, did we just start a podcast?" <laughs> And, like, I at times kind of feel like that about doing this, but, you know, I, I, also, I also have a passion for something that I associate with my heritage as a Kentuckian. And being able to, to talk about it weekly with people who also care about this spirit that is is kind of it's really visceral for me and and exciting. And I mean, like every time that I get to record a new episode or even just go back and listen to the conversations that I've had doing these these episodes and everything, I mean, I find such joy and such pleasure in knowing that I'm a, a part of something that I conceive as a lot bigger than just drinking bourbon on a, on a Friday night, you know, out on your back porch. If that makes sense.
0: I I get that. I think one of the things that, but it's interesting. the, The reason we did the podcast and I forgot to mention this before is that we know so many people that would go into a liquor store and it would be daunting because you have all this stuff on the wall and people don't really know how to read a bourbon bottle or a whiskey bottle. And they see it and they don't realize that, hey, a lot of these things are sourced from the same place. A lot of these things are very similar, you know, and they don't understand, like, what straight bourbon without an age statement means on the bottle. And, and I think, you know, when it comes down to it on our podcast... It doesn't necessarily mean it. It doesn't necessarily matter what our by bar or pass is. What matters is the tasting notes that we're describing, and if you like what we're saying, you might think we're wrong in the end on whatever verdict we have. Yeah, and that's where I think that you know, distilleries sometimes can get uptight over what we say as podcasters and. And it's not really, if, as long as you're honest and you're like, I get X, Y, and Z people don't really care if we say buy it or bar or whatever it is, people are going to listen to you and go, Oh, I really like that. I'm going to go get a bottle of that. Like that's, that's my jam. Everybody understands that everybody's palate is different. And I think for us, we we were just trying to kind of provide some sort of a service by being very honest, by being very open, and not being swayed by anything. A lot of blind tastings, a lot of, you know, and, and once people at least trusted our blind tasting enough, we would do things without blind tasting. I think people know that we're going to be honest regardless of if it's blind or if we're having it straight up. And it's... You know, people will come to us and say, I want to find something under 30 bucks. What's your favorite bourbon under 30 bucks? I go, "Well, I can't answer that for you because my palate's different than yours. Yeah. What do you like? Do you like a, a rye spice? Do you like sweet? Do you like higher proof? Like you tell me what you think you like. And if you don't know what you like, go taste some stuff blind and figure out what you do like." Find a friend, find your significant other, have them blind you, figure out what results you got, and then go gravitate towards those. Don't buy things because other people are like, oh, I need this or I need that. It's like, buy something because you like it. If you want to put an ice cube in it, if you found your favorite thing is Pappy 23 with an ice cube, you know what? Drink Pappy 23 with an ice cube. That's fine just do it just do what you like and screw everybody else and enjoy whiskey
1: i i think that you and i in in terms of the way that we have approached our our podcasts in in terms of honesty i think that we have kind of the same mentality just that the the conversations surrounding bourbon surrounding whiskey should be open and honest and it should be i think really at the core of it as you were saying what do you like what do you not like if you like something go for it if you don't it's fine i mean you know like curtis we've tried a thousand times to get him just to like turkey 101
0: he just doesn't.
1: Some people you know? have some
0: bad memories on Turkey, though. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's everybody's Absolutely. like, I had a field party out mm-hmm. in Nicholasville. And, like, <laughs> everybody's like, I I did this, I did that. I was out at this field party, and I had too much turkey. And it came up the next day. And,
1: exactly. Yeah, like, there, there's know. there's just different takes on, and, 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 and really different, stigmas that you kind of associate with, with different brands. But, like, I mean, I I am here to, and I, I hope that, you know, this is what's been conveyed, have an honest conversation about, you know, what, what a bourbon is or what it can be or, you know, why you should maybe give it a chance. Or, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said, too, about having... I, and, and I'm pretty sure I've, I've expressed this before, but having bad bourbon or what is kind of conventionally perceived as bad bourbon. So, you know, a, a lot of people will turn their nose up at even just Jim Beam. Jim Beam uh, is still the number one selling. It, it, I, I don't mind Jim Beam White Label.
0: Yes, it's 80 proof. Yes, it's four years old. My first time at Reparena, Arena, I had Jim Beam taped to my thigh. <laughs> and I might've had too much of it. And I should also mention that I've moved into this 147 proof whiskey it is damn good. I got to tell you, um, John, can I have some when I come down? In the yes, couple? absolutely. Okay. I will save some for you. <laughs> but my first time in Rupp Arena, I had drank too much Jim Beam white label. And then we also had more tape to our leg and I walked up the floor <laughs> And it was a Kentucky LSU game. I remember it distinctly. And I walked up in my haze, in my bourbon haze, and I saw the big UK on the floor, and it was like, ah. <laughs> and, and that's when I knew. Because I actually had a football scholarship at a school outside of Boston in New England, and, and uh, I got hurt. They took my scholarship away, and I transferred to Kentucky. But when I went down visited my buddy, who was born in Louisville, moved to Boston. I I saw that and I go, man, I'm coming to UK. And and it was just, but going back to kind of what you were saying before, the honesty, and it's like, I think distilleries, if you do it in the right way, I think there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. You never want to disparage because you know, these are people that are putting their time and their energy in. And and this is a job and this is a way of life and and I know I can't distill it better than them. No, absolutely not. That's not a it's never coming from a place where I I could do it better. It's coming from a purely this is my palette versus other people's palette. And and I think there's a way of doing it. I mean, we had we had Carol Ann Coughlin on from Taconic. And she was doing a cab salve finished. I mean, I love their barrel proof bourbon and not the 110, but the actual barrel proof bourbon. The 110 was a little bit chalky to me. I loved the one, I loved the barrel proof. Barrels and bruises, barrel proof bourbon, so good. But the um, she busted out a cab salve finished while we were there, and, and we just said, hey, we're not wine finish guys. I'll tell you right now, like, we can keep recording on this if you want to. We don't have to, but we are the last person that should talk about a wine finish bourbon because I'll tell you right now, we don't like it. She goes, no, let's talk about it. I mean, to her credit, she said, no, let's talk about it. And we said, you know, as far as wine finish goes, this is not one that we hate. But we're not wine finish guys. So if you like wine finish, you're going to really like this one. If you don't, maybe try it and see if you like it or not. But there's a way to do it. I mean, we know that we don't like the dryness of a wine finish. And and for Zeke and I to actually agree on something, that's a big deal. The funny thing is we had Greg Snyder on the other night, and this episode hasn't even been released yet. I bet our episode will be released before I get to editing that other one. And we had Greg Sider on from Chicken Cock and they have a, a beer barrel finished and it was a nut brown ale. I wow. love like Bell Meads Black Bell. I love a stout finished bourbon. Yeah. I hated the nut brown ale. But I it's what I said and, and the way that you present it, right? is like... Listen, if you like a nut brown ale, you're going to get a whole heck of a lot of it in this bourbon. But if yeah. you don't like a nut brown ale, go for their other stuff. And there's a way to present it where it's like, if you like it, I don't love it, but if you like it, you're really going to like it. It's it's the if but. Yeah. You
1: know. You know, if if you like this that's fine but i may not like it necessarily so yeah i'm 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 totally on on board with that mindset and i i hope that to some point we convey that as well um or have conveyed that as well throughout the course of this podcast but you know we're we're always striving to figure
0: figure out how to improve this as well but let well, let's I talk to I, I I think going back, right like the the thing that that separates you and I from other people is that we bought microphones. like that's what I try to well, explain to people. everybody can yes. do a podcast and and you have to be compelling and you have to be interesting and and all that kind of other stuff, but the the palette. The actual opinion piece of it, the thing that separates one from the other is it's just, it's my opinion, it's your opinion, it's somebody else's opinion, it's somebody else's opinion, and and that is what bourbon is. And yeah. you find people, I mean, Zeke and I, in our podcast, we don't get along. I mean, we don't get along <laughs> half the time anyway, but we don't get along, our, our palates don't align. And that's not a bad thing. And, and it's almost one of those things, too, where when our palettes do align, especially when we're doing a barrel pick, it plays even more. Like, we just did a Russell's pick with Barrels and Brews. And when we were up there, we went through nine barrels before we got to the first one where we looked at each other and we're like, this is it. And yeah. he liked it and I liked it. And when we both like it together, that's when you go like, okay, if we're both liking it, it's good. Yeah. Because we know our palates are typically separate. So I think that most of
1: my listeners know like how Curtis and Swan and I kind of came to be as this cohesive unit of this is my bourbon podcast. But it was kind of through trial and error that we were able to come to, I would say, not only the way that we function within the show, but also the, you know, just kind of how we want to see the show grow and how we understand what the the podcast itself means, not just to ourselves, but also to, you know, and, and I'm not trying to put myself in a position for what i would argue maybe is ridicule or for verbosity but like you know for some kind of place in the world of bourbon criticism or bourbon bourbon podcasting (laughs) as well and well this is my
0: bourbon podcast
1: the, yeah, I mean, like I had, uh, I had somebody say at one point that it was equal parts creative and lazy um, in the name of
0: it. But I think what people know, don't understand, and the, and and again, I'm interrupting you, and I feel bad, but what no, no, people okay. don't understand is that a lot of these podcasts, like we work very, very, very hard. To make it seem like we don't work very hard. (laughs) And I think that's one of the things that gets lost at the end of the day is like, I probably spend more time editing because of my radio background is I try to take out ums, I take out ahs, so's, the, the, All that other stuff that gets put yeah. in there, I try to cut a lot of that out. And then I try to tighten it up if there's a long pause between words. And I I really try to go above and beyond to actually edit things. I also really try to make sure that the sound quality is better. So if there's anything I yeah. can do in editing of that... But then it's also doing your homework. So if you're going to sit down with someone, it's like research their brand, spend a couple hours seeing if there was any other press on them before. What have they said in the past? What not saying that I'm going to, you know, it's not gotcha journalism or anything like that. I'm not trying to get anybody or screw anybody over, but I want to have the best understanding of the brand that I can before we start going. And then. Excuse me. When we ask questions, I really try to ask questions in a way that, like, I want our podcast to be one of those ones where you laugh and then you didn't realize you learned something, and then at the very end you kind of go like, "Ah, oh, sounded like everybody had a bun bunch of fun." Yeah. And then, oh crap! I learned X, Y, and Z from it. <laughs> you know, and that's
1: I that's, didn't want that's to, what but gets I did. me.
0: Yeah that's what gets me excited. I think there are other podcasts out there that are more of like that magazine show. This, the, they're more of that magazine show, that 60 minutes that, you know, yeah, really investigative news piece. And we like want it to be like MTV's remote control, which is dating me even more. But, uh, we want it to be something that is a, you know, it, it's fun and it's loose. But then you went away like, oh, yeah, I learned some stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and you and I, outside of the podcast, have talked about this a lot in that we're, yeah, we're, we're not the, and I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to knock the person who said it originally we're not the NPR of bourbon. We're here because we understand and appreciate and want to, I think, help build the community in a way that while we may still recognize and accept and enjoy the, the industry aspect of it, I think there's something to be said for not just the community that was built for even just you and I around bourbon, but around the podcasting world too. And I think that while we may have had the opportunity to meet each other and eventually become friends, I think that we now, because we have this commonality between us of not just bourbon, but bourbon
0: podcasting as well, well it's funny cuz it's one of those things I remember there was a certain group of folks that we all followed and and you know we were I mean we were up and running at the same time that I found these folks but it's the podcast and and I was our say, great yeah, show but... and and I didn't find them until we had Dad drink bourbon up and running and then you kind of look around you're like oh there's all these other people out there and I, I found them and i still remember your post where you were like hey i'm thinking of starting a podcast um <laughs> and you Did actually that? had yeah you actually hadn't started it yet and you said i think i'm starting a podcast because of all this other stuff and then you went ahead and started it and then you were posting that and it's one of those things where i think with with the background that i have and i think it's just kind of the feeling that i have in in especially in bourbon I kind of go back to like the stories that people have of back in the yeah. day and those distillers. And it was like, Hey, if we had a motor that broke, we called Buffalo trace or we called Jim beam. And then they brought a motor over and, and, or even as extreme as there
1: was a fire at our distillery and, you know, we're trying and to people still brought bourbon over
0: to, exactly. to like get us through. And, um, that's kind of the way I feel about podcasting. It's like, so when I see other podcasts that are out there, I always try to reach my hand out and say, Hey, you know, we're all in this together. I think everybody has a different niche, you know? And if you think about it, like bourbon pursuit is going to be more of informative. You're going to have whiskey cast and they're going to be a very heavy, like NPR of bourbon. And whiskey, because they do a lot of scotch in there too. So you're gonna have whiskey cast that is straightforward news. You're gonna have, you know, bourbon pursuit that's interviews, but it's like the 60 minutes of bourbon. You're gonna have the podcast, which is very, you know, it's it's entertainment heavy. And those guys are hilarious. I really enjoy listening to them. And then you kind of have, like, you and I that we're in the middle. But even though I say we're in the middle, I don't think either one of us steps on each other's toes. Because yeah, we come and, at and, things in a different way.
1: Yeah, and I don't... I, I have had this conversation multiple times with um, with other people in in our field, too, that I don't want it to be a competition. I don't want us to... No. I don't want us to feel like we're stepping on each other's toes. I think that you know I'm mean, it to to your original point, you know, yeah i I may have you know, at now at this point, really two years ago said I am curious about and interested in creating a bourbon podcast. It was never with the intention of being one thing or the other. It was just you know, I wanted to. I wanted to express my interest and my excitement for this spirit and this field in a way that I thought was unique. And, you know, I I, I like to think that I fit into my own niche, into my own category as uh, this is my bourbon podcast. But, you know, I, I understand that that at times is not necessarily what everybody feels. But, you know, my... My hope is that we can all kind of coexist. Because why should you only listen to one opinion or one aspect or one take or whatever on this industry? I mean, you know, when when the the houses collapsed at Barton, there were it, it, there were several different takes as to what should happen with those barrels. <laughs> why it happened, how it happened, you know, and, and I, if I, if I were just to say to you right now, my initial take, I would have said, oh, that's a really, tra- that that's a real tragedy. I hate to hear that. There are other people who may have said, like, it was some kind of insurance fraud, or there was something no. that they're trying to build, you know, but like, my my point, though, is that There are multiple different opinions to be had about the way that bourbon is perceived now in the 21st century, in 2019, and on into the future, that we shouldn't have to choose one or the other. or We can all kind of coexist as one
0: community of bourbon. Well, I go to you, Perry, whenever I need to know what the young people think. And <laughs> that's kind of
1: your hey man. Niche I mean, me. I'm 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 the youngest bourbon podcaster
0: out there, right? You are. And when we are all dead, you are still gonna be going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, great. Yeah,
1: that's that gives me hope.
0: <laughs> but whatever, I need to know what the kids are thinking. You know, it's like, uh, are we? You know, what what's the slang nowadays that you kids are saying? I don't even know in in this
1: context what you're trying to ask me for. But I
0: don't know. There's so many slang. I mean, there there's so much stuff that I don't know as an old dad. That <laughs> you're not that old, John. Come on, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're 28. You're not that
0: old. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was 28. <laughs> I'm, but, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about, I think DeShay's was closed when I was 28. <laughs> and you didn't even know it. And you I were going there for dinner. Because I had no already idea. been out of Lexington for four years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. but, but um.
1: I mean, I am. It's something that I don't know if I have expressed publicly. And it, it's one thing to. I, I feel like I'm getting a little meta here.
0: No, no i don't necessarily
1: yeah, I don't necessarily you know need to all the time or want to all the time or anything, but like I understand my place in the world of bourbon podcasting i as a a twenty five almost twenty six year old bourbon drinker, I have a very unique aspect of what the bourbon industry is like. Where it's going to potentially go in the future? I mean, I didn't grow up in the era when Weller Special Reserve was easily found on the shelves, uh, even even all the way up to Weller Twelve. If I told uh, that, you
0: stuff that was at the Kroger on Euclid when I was uh, in college, and I'd cry. You would cry. And, and we cry. Yeah. And there's stuff that you are going to have in your lifetime that I am not going to have. Sure. And that's yeah. just the way that it is. I mean, because yeah. you are going to live longer than me. Um, but I think it's it's one of those things where we, when it comes back to podcasting and we've kind of strayed a little bit here for the past couple of minutes, but I I think when it comes down to it and we talk about podcasting, it's like, I am happy for the community at the very end of the day. It's like getting to meet you, getting to meet other people, getting to meet fans, getting to yeah. meet fellow bourbon drinkers, people that don't even listen to the podcast, but like drinking bourbon. Um, You know, getting to meet people in distilleries. I always say our payment is our ability to sit there with people that like we talked to Greg Snyder the other night and he was talking to us about the three types of things in wood that you're looking for and the lanolin and the cellulose and and how you would do a the way that you would cut wood at a cooperage. So Greg Snyder worked, he he worked at the brown farm and cooperage for about five or six years. And he was talking about the, the different cuts that you would have to ensure that the grain of the wood stays tight and what you're actually looking for. So So you're looking for a certain number of rings in the the wood and that's gonna let you know if it's tighter or if it's a looser wood and then you know the way that you then cut those logs to ensure that it stays tight that's all stuff that is super crazy I mean it's like I know that at the same time I have to understand and and this is gonna sound douchey and I feel bad even saying it but like it, it is a, it is a, um, a microphone. The microphone is not for me all the time in our podcast, the microphone, you know, the fact that we set up the website and that we set up the hosting and that we do other stuff, it's then now incumbent on us to give the mic to other people, to let them educate the bourbon community about what actually goes into it. And, and I think at the end of the day, when podcasters think that it's about themselves is where we go wrong. The show is not about me. The show is not about Zeke. The show is not about Perry. The show is not about other people. The show is about the people making the bourbon. And the more that we can shine the light on them, and allow them to tell their story. My job is only to steer the ship, which we have done a crappy job tonight. It's like when you put two <laughs> podcasters together, I feel Fine. bad for Perry because of all the, the time he's going to have on this one to actually edit it. But I uh, don't worry about it. But it's it's one of those things where if you allow them to tell their story. And you direct them in a way because they don't always get to tell their story. There are, there are some brand ambassadors that you just need to go in on a day and say, hey, what's up? And then sit back and you don't have to say a dang thing. Yep. They're going to take it and just run with it and say whatever they want to say. There are some people like that and there are some people that you have to actually kind of nudge here and there and, and say. But it's not about us. Like when we interview somebody from Heaven Hill or from Four Roses or from Bardstown Bourbon Company or Kentucky Owl or Castle and Key, it's like our job is just to kind of say a couple things to to shine the light on them and step back and listen and then edit it very nicely for them when all is said and done. I don't know if I could have
1: said it any better than that. But in addition to what John just said, I do want to thank the people who have listened to not just my show, but Dad's Drinking Bourbon and the podcast, and Bourbon Pursuit and Whiskey Cast, and those Dram Yenzers. And I mean, there there are just so many different bourbon podcasts out there that it may at times feel like a saturated market but is something that we can all take part in and be a part of and enjoy together just in the pursuit of understanding and enjoying and getting to share the love of bourbon with not just you know our fellow bourbon drinkers but people who may not have experience bourbon in the way that we do. I would say we don't just do this for those who make the bourbon, but also for those who enjoy the bourbon as well. And it it may sound pompous, and I don't intend for it to at all, but, you know, we we want to share the love that we have for bourbon with as many people as possible and this is just a, a very small microcosm of the bigger picture
0: You you say that and I mean just interjecting here for a second yeah there are many people that get upset with Zeke and I because they think our job is bourbon ambassadors like we are not an ambassador show. We are a consumer show first and foremost. And I think that's where people get upset with us and where undue pressure is put on us. It's like, we are not there for the bourbon industry to, we are going to, I mean, I have a background where I have journalism and and integrity in journalism and I'm going to always present things the best way I possibly can but don't get it twisted we are a consumer show first and foremost we are there to inform the consumer about what they are purchasing and, and by uh, giving by giving the distiller a platform we are kind of or the the distillery platform, we are informing the consumer through them. Sorry. I just, that's something that some of the feedback that we get and when people don't like the show, they're like, well, your job is to be an ambassador for the bourbon community. It's like, no, well that, that's not, you've missed the point of our show. Yeah. The point of our show is to inform the consumer Not to be a mouthpiece for the the distilleries. We're not on the tape by the distilleries. We don't take a dime of money from a distillery. No. We are there to inform the consumer.
1: While I, I find a lot of what you said to be true, I think that there is still something to be said about being excited for bourbon. Oh In the yeah, future of bourbon too, and and it, and it's not that you are coming at it from a, a purely nihilistic standpoint, or just you know you you don't have high hopes, but like I at the core of this am doing this podcast because I love bourbon.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think I think at the end of the day, right? For us to be excited about doing it, yes, it's a show for a consumer, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's you know we're looking at it from a consumer lens. Yeah. But I don't think we would even look at it from a consumer lens if we weren't fans of bourbon. Yeah. And excited about what's down the line, and then when I say my payment is the ability to sit there and talk to the people are in the bourbon industry and, and have conversations about, with, with them about what actually goes into putting something in a barrel, uh, and yeah. what you whether or not you're, you know, like how, what type of corn do you pick? And then wh- how do you actually cook your recipe? the I mean, there are so many different nuances when you talk to, to different people that are, are working in here. It's like, do you cook everything together? Do you cook it separate then put it in? You know, what do you actually, what temperature do you heat everything at? What do you actually heat it at when it's fermented? Yeah. Like, what do you, you know, what do you think the ideal uh, proof to actually put something in a barrel is? And then what do you hope to get on your proof when it comes out of the barrel? I mean, there's so many different conversation what's your ideal mash bill do you like a red corn or a yellow corn or a white corn do you like a a winter rye a summer rye? like what is what are your thoughts on rye what's your thought on a percentage of barley i mean i think the stuff that i get into is is a lot dorkier than what the average person is going to get into because a lot of people are just like hey is this good i like it you know it's like and i'm sitting there thinking about like, where are you putting this in the Rick house? And like, based off of where you put it in the Rick house, do you know that is going to lend itself to a specific brand or uh, is, is there something that you know, if you put it higher or lower, is that going to have effect? I mean, I geek out on four roses just because yeah. of the 10 different recipes oh, yeah. and you know, a tier four OBSV opposed to a tier six OBSV, they're going to be different depending on the year, depending on where they were aged. And I, I just geek out on all of the variables that can happen in bourbon.
1: For sure, though. And, I mean, I, I get so excited about those variables and about what can happen in bourbon. And I think that I'm I'm at a very... I'm at a really interesting point, not just in my podcast career, but really just kind of as a bourbon drinker and just as a person to understand and see and, and, and be excited for where this industry is going and knowing that, you know, it's not going to be what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Being invested in that history, but at the same time being excited for what the future holds for bourbon. And whether or not this is my bourbon podcast is a part of it. Oh, I think it will be. I I hope so, but I, I don't... To To get back to what you were saying, this is not about me. This is about the industry. This is about bourbon and enjoying it and being a part of the community and... Being able to share in it with other people, so i I like that we were able to talk for a little bit about what makes not just you know our favorite spirit so important, but you know what we're doing important to us, I would say, and i I love that that there are multiple aspects that can be viewed from this mutual point of view? Well, and I think
0: think when it comes to bourbon, there's no official stuff. And, you know, some people have talked about the Moonshine University as the official credentialing thing for Stave and Thief. But there's nothing official. You know, it's like Fred Minnick has made a name just by making a name and he is the most trusted name in, in bourbon, you know, for his reporting on it. Um, you know, and, and Michael Veach and, and, uh, you know, other people, Chuck Chuck, Cowdery and, Cowdery and, and those folks, I mean, they got their name by being the guys who were there. And I think they were there in a, um, you know, in a written medium and the folks that are there from an audio medium. I mean, I think that's more of, there, there was nobody that was really carving the path for bourbon podcasters three, four years ago when things kind of got going. I mean, it's like you could say pursuit was there and, but you know, they were kind of early on and, and I don't think it was, a um, I, and it was very important for me kind of when we started is we didn't want to have the same voice as other people. And it was always trying to find a way that we were different and, and, um, you know, how do we actually not copy somebody else that's out there, but yeah. I think the thing with bourbon is there's there's not a lot to be said about even when it comes to distillers and distilling. There's not like a test that you do to become a master distiller. It's just all of a sudden they say like, hey, guess what, Perry? You've been working here for 10 years. You're a master distiller now. And it, you're like, I am? Cool. Like, That's great. But I think that's the craziest thing about bourbon is like there's not set rules and guidelines with the exception of has to be 51% corn, can't go in the barrel more than 125 proof, can't come out of the barrel more than 160 proof, you know, uh, a bottled and bond has to be distilled in the same distilling season at the same distillery for four years. You know, like yeah. there, there, there's rules when it comes to that stuff but there's no rules when it comes to media. There's no rules when it comes to distiller. There's no rule. You know, it's like, as long as you make sure it goes in the, you know, as long as you make sure it goes in a new charred white oak, American barrel, and it's over (laughs) 51% corn, then like your dog could distill it. You could teach your dog how to push a button yeah. On a computer screen and the dog could be the master distiller. And that's not taking anything away. I, I think it's I, I don't think a dog could be a master distiller. Please I'd hope don't. not. But I'm saying that there there's <laughs> not that other side of it is not regulated. The the yeah. what's regulated is the juice. The yeah. what is the actual liquid is the regulated part of it. I mean, you essentially there are things at this point that it takes a whole heck of a lot of brain power to figure it out. And then you can set up computer systems to do after you figure it out. Yeah. It's, it's um, absolutely. But I think at the end of the day, like I, I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of the innovations that are happening in whiskey. I'm a fan of, of how people can take similar notes and have them be so different by trying to push the envelope, like places like Bartstown bourbon company are pushing the envelope places like, you know, even Corsair in Nashville that aren't sticking to the traditional thing. It's like Bartstown bourbon company is trying to figure out what are different recipes out there and how can I actually, you know, make this stuff change a little bit. Corsair, trying all sorts of different grains i mean shoot they have a quinoa whiskey you have places like h clark in Nat in williamson county tennessee that has a black and tan and they do a lot of their stuff off of, of brandy still you have yeah. um you know it's like people that that push the envelope get you excited and the the variability of places like four roses gets me excited you know wild turkey coming out with the saffle gets me excited and then you have you know backbone with this light whiskey that's 147.3 and it's mgp juice but it's super high proof it's like that gets me excited there's plenty of things in whiskey and there's plenty of stuff that's happening that that i really enjoy and i really like and yeah i just can't wait to see where things go in the future
1: I agree and, and there there is nothing to be said about discrediting other people because it, it it's all in the what I would say the, the greater pursuit of community or of enjoying bourbon together. So I enjoy you, Pear Bear. Oh, John. Before we move into our plugs here, I just want to say, John, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. This has been a lot of fun. Um, thank
0: you for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess I'll be on your show here soon because you already said I would be. Yes. Uh, and, and about... <laughs> I inserted myself into your world of dad's drinking bourbon, even though I'm not a dad.
0: No, it's okay. I mean, you are... It. it you don't have to be a dad to be on dad's drinking bourbon and you just have to enjoy bourbon. So I think in about three or four weeks, you can definitely find Perry on dad's drinking bourbon at dad's You can go ahead and find us on Instagram at dad's drinking bourbon, Facebook at dad's drinking bourbon, Instagram at dad's drinking bourbon, Facebook at dad's drinking bourbon, Twitter at bourbon dads. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, just the same as Perry, Apple, Google play, Stitcher, pod knife, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever it is we are on at YouTube, the audio version. Go ahead and find us. Leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews against any whiskey that we try. Thanks for having us on the show, Perry.
1: John, I am so happy that you were able to join me on this week's episode. Well, if you want to follow up with the show, we are at My Bourbon Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Give us... A five-star rating review on iTunes uh, that really does help us out with finding new listeners and new followers of the podcast. Head to BourbonShopThreadless.com where you can find all of our apparel and merch. Did you already uh, tell join- them
0: hashtag Timbip? Timbip, Timbip. I coined Timbip about a you year and a half ago, and yeah. Perry, mm-hmm. yes. Said he was going to use that all the time, but use t- hashtag Tim Bip.
1: <laughs> <sighs> if you've not joined the Facebook group yet, you can head to facebook.com and search for this McBurping group. There's just a couple of questions to make sure that you actually listen to the show because you know, it's called this McBurping group and we want you to be a part of that community. And then finally, for as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash my podcast. There is, of course, no pressure to become a patron of the show. But if you do, you get awesome things like bonus episodes every month. Uh, you get to be a part of our hangouts. Uh, that is $15 and over. And we would love to have you over there. It's a really fantastic community. So, again, patreon.com slash podcast. Please check that out. I would love for you to be a part of that. Again, John, thank you so much for being here this week.
0: Hashtag TimBip. <laughs>
1: thank, thank you, Perry. He did establish that. Yeah. Can't wait to do it again. We will do it very soon. Thank you all so much for listening this week. We will see you again very, very soon. But until then, I'm Perry, and this is my bourbon podcast.